both have uh, this uh, podcast is going to be interesting because we both have pretty good morning voices going on. Oh yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be we're we're kicking off the the two uh, hundreds era with uh, NPR style breakdown. Of curb your enthusiasm. Turn up your subwoofer for this one. It's going to be worth it. <laughs> we're using uh, don't wake the house morning voices. <laughs> What's the W uh, NYC shows this week on Radio Lab? We're talking about Larry David and a corpse sniffing dog. <laughs> All right, you're trying to get out of you're trying to get out of town. Um, so you ready to get going? Yeah, yeah. Let's, All right, uh, let's get into it. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's trouble by one thing: watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy, and I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about season three, episode seven, the corpse sniffing dog. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, the special section? We had rules on our mind on the last episode. <laughs> uh, so what exactly are... Uh, so Larry's mom has moved to a special section of the Jewish cemetery because she had a tattoo. And that is against Leviticus, as the general manager of the cemetery said. And so what are the rules regarding tattoos for the big world religions uh, let's start with judaism because that's the religion in question but i was curious about the others so i'll try to answer that as well tattoos okay. are generally forbidden in judaism based on that verse from leviticus nineteen twenty-eight: you shall not make gashes in your flesh for the dead or incise any marks on yourselves i am the lord the but the prohibition <laughs> is explained by contemporary rabbis as part of a general prohibition on body modification with the exception of circumcision, of course, uh, oh, that yeah, doesn't yeah totally <laughs> body modification that doesn't serve a medical purpose. Fun how uh, you know it, it doesn't count the thing that they <laughs> want you to get done. Yeah, exactly. Just uh, you know, uh, cl classic religious picking and choosing. It reminds me of uh, a great. I, how far we're not even ten minutes in. I got to drop a Simpsons ref when um, okay when Go Flanders when Flanders goes. I followed every part of the Bible, even the parts that contradict the other parts, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, tattoo. So here's one reason that that Judaism wasn't necessarily down with tattooing in present day is that it was used as a sign of enslavement and servitude in ancient Egypt, where captives were tattooed or branded with the names of priests and pharaohs to mark them as belonging to a specific person or god so a symbol of servitude and, and that was just another tick mark in its uh, forbidden uh, column conservative jews point to the the next verse of the shulkan arush i'm probably butchering that i'm sorry mm. if the tattoo was done in the flesh of another the one to whom it was done is blameless this is used by them to say that tattooing yourself is different from obtaining a tattoo and that the latter may be accept, uh, acceptable. Orthodox Jews disagree and read that text as referring to forced tattooing, as was done during, say, in ancient Egypt or during the Holocaust, uh, which is not considered a violation of Jewish law on the part of the victim. So they're saying this is, you know, this was done uh, by force, like I said. And they're like, well, you can't. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. you can't be, you can't sin because someone, like, hurt you, you know. There is a misconception, though, that Jews ha that have tattoos may not be buried in a Jewish cemetery. While a small minority of burial societies may not accept a corpse with a tattoo, Jewish law does not mention burial of tattooed Jews, which is my favorite U2 album. <laughs> Jew 2. Oh, no. oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, and <laughs> well, Tim, it's been a nice run. We made it 200 and uh, a little bit into 201 episodes before you get canceled. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one day I'll be on a podcast that makes it to 202. We'll see. Uh, and nearly all burial societies have no such restriction. So really just a plot device for the show, but a believable one. And it's entirely possible that there is, you know, that there are Jewish cemeteries out there that won't accept one based on this hard reading of that Leviticus line. Now, Christianity, yep. of course, which uses the uses the Old Testament, well, people will bring up that line too. Uh, don't uh, in some translations it says, "Don't cut your bodies for the dead. Don't mark your skin with tattoos." Literally, it uses that word as in the translation. But the quote is kind of taken out of context, and I found more information about what it might mean. There were old pagan rituals which involved when someone died, you would cut your skin and take their ash huh. and like put and rub the ash in the wound and it would leave a, a darker mark i guess for a long time a way of sort of uh memorializing the dead but it was associated oh my with God. yeah pagan religions instead of christianity and so they're trying to replace all of that <laughs> um 
But interestingly enough, there are also uh, passages in Leviticus that forbid you to shave. And so, you know, obviously there are Christians that shave and stuff <laughs> like that, or and even eat kosher food. So really, this all, in Christianity, this all has to do with how the Old Testament was retconned and replaced by the New Testament when Jesus came. So, uh, you know, you don't really have to follow Leviticus anymore, the laws that were set down in there. Ah, uh, yeah, the, the sequel, The Bible 2, Jesus <laughs> Comes. Exactly. And then you talk about The Bible 3, you're getting into Mormonism. Mm. That's true. Yeah, yeah. But some people consider that not canon, you know. <laughs> it, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, uh, it's just fan. Yeah. F- fan canon? Ah, oh, damn it. All right. I lost it. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was, it was like a fan edit. It was like a fan movie, you know, uh, using, you know, someone else's intellectual uh, property. I, yeah. I, I remember what I was going to say. It's, uh, it belongs in our, uh, r slash fan theories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What if there's a Bible part three? Um, <laughs> In Islam, there's no direct mention of tattooing in the Quran. Scholars who claim that tattooing is a sin support their view by pointing to certain hadiths, which are these like Quran supplements I learned about, such as one that declares the prophet cursed the one who does tattoos and the one who has a tattoo done. Most Islamic scholars believe that permanent tattoos are banned in the Muslim faith. Some scholars say that tattoos are sinful, but they don't violate your ritual purification. And tattoos do pop up through Muslim history and... You know, Muslims in the West uh, certainly have no problem uh, getting them. They're gaining popularity. Um, the majority of Sunni Muslims believe tattooing is a sin because it involves changing the natural creation of God, inflicting unnecessary pain in the process. And the Shia Ayatollahs, Ali al-Sistani and Ali Khamenei, believe there are no authoritative Islamic prohibitions on tattoos. So they kind of split this down the line, Sunni and Shia. Just another thing they disagree on. You, you hate to see it. Um, Buddhism, no problem with tattoos. They love them. In fact, sometimes, and we'll talk about this, the, uh, they will put their uh, they'll tattoo their mantra or, or a certain protective mantra. Maybe not the exact mantra because we know that might be secret. Uh, and Hindus <laughs> also love tattoos, part of the religion in some. Uh, they love them culturally and religiously. So Interesting. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. Shout out to tat2x.com for uh, some of the information in that hmm. previous section. Yeah. So... No one really is against it. Maybe Judaism is the hardest on it or certain strict uh, Islamic followers. But, yeah, everyone seems to be pretty cool with it these days. Uh, uh, it seems like religions have bigger fish to fry. They're like, you know what, let's pat- put tattoos like way down on the priority <laughs> list. <laughs> as soon as they get to tattoos, they better have every fucking other thing yeah. solved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, that's, I think that's part. I think that's the end of Leviticus. It's like, by the way. You better have every fucking thing solved before you get to tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> I am the Lord. <laughs> like, wow, you I, said I, that? I, I love that tag at the end. Like he just has to has to remind them. I know. It's like an old guy that signs his tweets. Like I hate when like <laughs> James Kahn used to do that uh, when he was alive. And Tom Hanks does that too. I'm like, uh, it's, the, it's the only uncool thing Tom Hanks does is he put Hanks. He, he writes Ugh. H-A-N-X too. I'm like, no, uh, Tom. It, Hulk Hogan does that, or at least yeah. he did. <laughs> yeah, it I was remember. always hyphen H-H. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't believe that. <laughs> That's not good. I don't know how I never knew that. Shatner might do it, too. I can't. Or maybe he used to. Maybe if he has room, he does it. I think I've seen him. It's just the funniest old guy thing to do. It's like your, your name and picture and another name. Yeah. A separate like, name or right next to your tweet. L- like, I get if you're purposefully wanting to separate tweets written by you and tweets written by a public- publicist or a social media yeah. team. But, like, my God, if <laughs> if there's nothing in your bio indicating that, if every single tweet is uh, hyphen HH, yes. hyphen HANX or yeah. something, stop. I know. Just don't, just, just don't do that. <laughs> yeah, just don't do that. You're, you're wasting characters. You know, we don't, we don't need it. Yeah, I love that. Uh, so what are the rules regarding if you can tell your mantra to anybody, if two people can have the same mantra? I don't think I found much information about that second one, but Larry gives Richard Lewis the mantra that he used when he was meditating back in the day, and then he calls and asks for it back. But, and Richard Lewis is like, are you supposed to tell people your mantra? So according to... Pat Carrington, PhD, who has a website, patcarrington.com. She's a pioneer in energy healing, she says. Says many meditators, 
especially those who have learned transcendental meditation, like we were talking last week. I think this is a big rule for them, TM, have been told by their teachers to keep their mantra secret. And revelation might have dire consequences. Hmm. And telling someone your mantra can ruin your meditation practice or rob the mantra of its effectiveness. There are certain consequences of, of revealing your mantra to another that may make you voluntarily decide to keep it a communication private to your own self. But I didn't find anybody that was like, oh, yeah, they'll kick you out. Or if they find out it's, you know, you're, you're done for. Um, but most people are like, when they're told that, it's more of like, don't tell anybody to help you. It's not don't tell anybody because this, you know, because you'll be struck by lightning or something like that. It's like, so here's the way Pat Carrington describes it. There's a sound psychological principle that suggests we reserve the mantra as a special sound to be used only for meditation. And it's regularly repeated while you're experiencing a deep sense of inner peace and therefore soon becomes what psychologists refer to as a conditioned stimulus for peace and relaxation. If I could compare this to something from our universe, like serenity now that oh my was a, god that would be a mantra that frank was using somewhat incorrectly because he wasn't it wasn't <laughs> a stimulus for him for peace and relaxation it would it would stimulate him to get more worked up uh because he would scream it at the top of his lungs <laughs> and and so that's a good example of how you can render a condition stimulus ineffective one way is to repeat it under different conditions than the one you want to bring about if, if Frank was whispering serenity now to himself in a dark, quiet room, that would be an effective use of that mantra. Screaming it when you're already upset is <laughs> rendering a conditioned stimulus ineffective. And so that's one thing where they're like, yeah, if you go around saying your mantra all the time, you say it when you stub your toe or you just tell your friends, like if you tag your tweets with it or whatever, it's like you're, it's, it's not going to work the way it's supposed to. So, And if you have a special mantra that has been assigned to you it eventually becomes a part of you so for some people refraining from sharing this special word with others can also be a step towards inner independence maybe you're one of these people that you know is just compelled to share everything about your life with everybody and you don't have any secrets and and you're just you know you have no filter or whatever that now you can just have this mantra and call it your own and that's um you know it's fun to have a secret i guess for lack of a better phrase uh so that's another reason to keep it to yourself and finally, a TM practitioner on Quora, which I, I found, said it, it, it was explained that speaking the mantra out loud has the effect of pulling a plant up daily or whenever you just kind of want to check on your plant, looking at the roots and then putting it back into the ground. <laughs> it's, it's not the way to nurture a healthy plant or a healthy <laughs> transcendental meditation practice. Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah, which I thought that was a good metaphor. Um, yeah, it's not bad. And and also this person was like, and I haven't been trained to teach it to others. So someone who doesn't want to pay for the full TM rigmarole might go, just give me your mantra. I'll say it to myself and it's going to be, you know, that'll, that'll be fine. It's like, well, I, I don't know. I took this. I learned this from a guy who had been trained in some, whether you think it's bunk or not, uh, which is a great old guy term. I guess I have <laughs> um, old guys on the mind today. Um, you know, whether you think it is, it, it, well, you were you were given that mantra and trained to use it by somebody who purported to have this skill set and i don't have it to tell you so you know you know you're, you're gonna end up like richard lewis and larry david like they didn't have fruitful meditation sessions with this mantra it seemed like so uh, getting you know getting advice from an actual yogi might have been beneficial to either one of them so there we go that's what i found it's not like illegal and you'll be kicked out of the tm club it's just it's for you to keep it a secret it, it yeah. benefits you um, which is uh, which is interesting. I did not know that. Here's some other trivia and tidbits from the episode. Mainly just that we love this episode. We both gave it a full star, as I recall. And rightly so, Larry David got a Best Actor in a Comedy Emmy nomination for his work in this episode. No way. Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah, he lost. Well, I'll tell you who else was nominated with him. Matt LeBlanc as Joey Tribbiani on Friends. Bernie Mac as Bernie on the Bernie Mac show, uh, <laughs> Eric McCormick as Will Truman on Will and Grace, and Ray Romano as Ray Barone on Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, my God. And they all lost to Tony Shalhoub in Monk, who I think Whoa. was on a, Yeah, I think he was on an Emmy streak uh, during this time in history. I was going to say, it did what, let me guess, uh, Joey Tribbiani won the Emmy over Larry, because that, that would have been the ultimate, like, your Fringe is, Fringe is not good. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have been Fringe is not a good show <laughs> argument. Yeah, thank goodness, that, thank goodness that didn't happen. 
no, Tony Shalhoub uh, was the was the king of the king, king of this category for a while. I think. Uh, right, that's all uh, from that section. Let us now consult the book. Wow, no more trivia in this. They've been like, whoever did the season three section was like super slacking on, because they, they certainly could have put that Larry was nominated for an Emmy for this episode or something, even even just that little bit. But no, we only get yeah. one. There's a lot of white space on this page. What they were <laughs> thinking, that's all we get. Richard Kind, who plays Cousin Andy, said, originally, the scene when we were digging the grave. Oh, here we go. I hypothesized this. The scene where we were digging the grave was not a montage set to music. Larry started hating me and his father, and Jeff started yelling at me, and we were all yelling at each other over his mother's grave. It was absolutely hilarious. The audience missed a great ending to a very funny scene. Aw, man. Yeah, I mean, you could tell they were saying something, but yeah, we, uh, we're never going to get to hear it. Who knows why? I guess it just didn't, didn't work. Release the kind cut. Yeah, release the kind cut. <laughs> And Larry David said, the only episode my dad got upset about was the one where my mother died. I think he was upset because my my real mom was so frail at the time. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only other thing they used to fill this page is a Davidism. And it's one that we did love. I like to pretend that I'm deaf and I try to imagine what it would be like not to be able to hear them, the birds. It's not so bad. <laughs> Very funny. Um, so that's all from the book. All it or right. Not. I know. We got any more news or anything? I don't think so. Okay. All right. If you have never listened to us before, we are not a research heavy show, despite the last 22 minutes, 23 minutes pre editing being uh, a lot of uh, research and bullshit. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 20 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both of those links are down in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, I believe. If you'd like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts and a five-star rating and a, actually no, no written review on Spotify, just the five-star rating on Spotify. It right. really does help us out, really does help us uh, bump up and, and be seen by people who may not listen to us otherwise. You know, people who are searching for Seinfeld, people who are searching for Larry David or Curb Your Enthusiasm. Maybe maybe they'll check out our, our uh, two-man operation here. Mm-hmm. No networks, no other people at the helm, just Tim and I. So we need all the help we can get. If you like us a little bit more than that, you can join our Patreon family. It's over at patreon.com slash no hugging, where for five bucks a month, you're going to get early access to every single episode. You're going to get clipped content ranging from uh, a couple of minutes, like two or three minutes, upwards to 20, 25 <laughs> minutes some weeks. Uh, we, we, we post that up for, for most of the episodes. I think there's only been like one or two where we've really gotten into talking about the episode. It doesn't, doesn't happen often. So your, your money is, uh, going a long ways over on Patreon. Also, it's getting you anywhere from one to two exclusive movie reviews every single month where we dive into a movie from the Seinfeld extended cinematic universe. What do we mean by that? Anybody from Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm who has appeared in as little as a background extra role. Mm-hmm. Maybe they di- directed an episode. Maybe they produced an episode. If they have a movie credit, it's fair game. We started a new series, Exploration of the American Sex Comedy. We're getting ready for Spooky Season with uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which I don't even think I've released as of our record yet. Mm. Um, it's re- it's ready to go, but I might pop that up today as of our, our record. So that is available for you to go listen to now. I'm... Uh, making that a a mental note for myself to to publish (laughs) later on today (laughs) Uh, but again five bucks a month patreon.com slash no hugging you can join the likes of tamara ortiz the family over at the idiotville podcast josh steen john and kathleen murphy both (laughs) of tim's parents with separate patreon accounts no password sharing (laughs) <laughs> Will Hall, Danica Ligorio, Nick Kudla, Don Queso, Nathan Collins, and Megan Stolarski. Thank all of you so much. 
Alright, well, all that being said, Season 3, Episode 7, The Corpse Sniffing Dog, original air date October 27th, 2002. Will this end up being our Halloween episode? We'll just have <laughs> to wait and see whenever we watch the episode. If you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see, at dinner with the Broadies, Larry ponders a ridiculous question with predictable results. I just watched this episode. Oh, question's the wrong word. Uh, I don't, I hate this. I'm like, what the hell? Like, I totally, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I really have no idea what this is talking about. Do you? Do you, have the, do you have the slightest clue? They're using question in like the philosophical sense. <laughs> not like, you know, how we know the word question. Yeah. Well, not how, like he didn't ask a specific question. He's pondering, a, it's not made specific, but he does ponder a question, but it's not one that he posed in an interrogative structure <laughs> to a group of people or anything like that. <laughs> so really the the synopsis is making that word do a lot of heavy lifting without yeah. helping it at yeah. all. It's really bad because <laughs> I was like, I just watched this episode. Did I miss the question? <laughs> um, all right, we'll get into it. Uh, we open at Bobo's and Larry is sitting at a table when Phil Dunlap comes in to interview for the chef position and Larry... Hey. Loves him what? No, no, just uh, you know, Phil Dunlap. Oh, you know, yeah, we haven't seen him before, have we? I don't think so, okay. but I, I recognize, mean, I recognize I him from, yeah, from other things. Yeah, I definitely recognize the actor. Larry loves him immediately because he's bald and he embraces his baldness, and they that's, commiserate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's all, that's all they talk about. You know, yep. they say uh, you got to use a lot of sunscreen. You got to wear a hat when you're in a convertible, and people always think you're trying to hide something. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they look down on the people who use minoxidil or man. I was glad Larry really uh, finished the rest of this word because he said, "Oh, and I'll tell you who's mentally deranged: the transplant people." Oh, thank goodness! <laughs> wow, we really dodged a bullet on that one. <laughs> I thought he was changing the subject completely. Um, yeah, but they look down on the people who are, are trying to, and especially the to pay people. Larry said, "If he was Hitler." He would have rounded them all up, uh, the toupee Jesus people. Christ. He would have had his people going around tugging on their tugging on hair. <laughs> Larry goes in on the toupee people. I, 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 Jesus Christ, I don't know what to say about this. <laughs> yeah, and then they just sort of like smile at each other, which I thought was a funny tag to the scene where they're like, it's it's a bromance immediately, bonding over the balding at a place, a restaurant we've been to before, just the, in the last episode, I guess. Ballsack Brasserie, we're back. No, it was two episodes ago. Sorry, two episodes ago, <laughs> the terrorist attack. We're back at Ballsack Brasserie. So if you're interested in a deep dive on this location, uh, it is an interesting story of tax evasion. Uh, head, head back a couple episodes. But the Davids are there with the Broadies, as they were in that episode, and they're making up. Oh, my gosh, you know, sorry about this wouldn't have happened. You know, you would have been able to host the benefit, and Alanis Morris said if the if I hadn't spread that rumor and they're like, no, no, it's, it's our, it's our fault. We blew up, you know, they're, they're making up it's water under the bridge. And the Broadies mentioned they want to get a dog. You know, they, the, the kids want a dog. And so they want one. And, and Larry remembers that Jeff who has moved back into his house is looking to get rid of Oscar, the uh, German shepherd that Susie bought when they were split up. And apparently he got it from a fire department. It used to be a corpse sniffing dog. But I oh guess it had been God. retired or something. Well, maybe not even <laughs> retired, but because I think Larry says the dog's about four. Because they're like, well, we don't want a puppy. We want an adult dog that's ready. We don't want to train anything, you know. And he's like, oh, the dog's like four. And it, it, uh, it used to be a corpse-sniffing dog. And Stu goes through this whole wine-tasting routine, as Larry calls it, with like, <laughs> you know, sniffing the cork and then putting his nose directly in the glass and then like swishing it around his mouth and gargling it and making a big production out of tasting the bottle only to send it away because it's been corked as he said nope you corked it no it's bad to just tell the manager no we don't want this one <laughs> and larry's like let me try it and he's like it's fine it tastes like wine and the broadies are like they laugh at the fact that he would have the wine knowledge that they would have and be able to yeah. tell the difference between a good bottle and a bad bottle of 140 dollar wine yeah, and uh, what, what's uh, what's Stu's wife's name? Susan? I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah, and Susan even says, for $140 a bottle, I don't want fine. 
Yeah. But it, I'm guessing it's fine. <laughs> I'm guessing it probably tasted <laughs> fine for a $140 bottle of wine. But, yeah, they, they're being very pretentious about this wine. Uh, Larry mentions that he did hire the, the new chef. He hired a bald guy uh, for the restaurant, so a little update there. And Stu does pick up the check because Larry called him out for it, and Stu is like, hey, shouldn't you go to the bathroom? Don't you have to go to the bathroom? And, uh, and picks up the check. And Larry says, well, thank you for dinner. And Susan's like, don't you want to thank me as well? And Larry's like, <sighs> why? And there, a big argument ensues about the fact that Susan doesn't work. And so Stu works. So it's it's not our money. It's Stu's money. And it's the same in Larry David's house. You know, it's David, all of Larry David's money. Cheryl does <laughs> not work and, and doesn't bring anything in. So when she spends the money, she's spending Larry's money, not our money. Uh, and and it's it's a big argument. The the dinner ends in a big argument. I also loved uh, anytime like Larry is looking at Stu for for reassurance and says like <laughs> it's your money, right? And Stu wants to agree, wants to agree. Yeah. But then looks over at Susan and is like, no, no, it, it's it's our money. It's our money. Yeah. He's very <laughs> hesitant about. It. He's like. Uh, no, and and quiet almost like doesn't want yeah. to hear anybody yeah. in him. Yeah, no, no, it's it's ours, it's ours, of course. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to be involved, and you, yeah, he definitely agrees with Larry. Um, by the way, this is the ha- same hilarious situation that I get into every time the kids get a gift because they know that mommy is basically the one, and we have we have separate accounts. Sarah and I mm-hmm. have had separate accounts through our entire relationship and Mm -hmm. she is the gift buyer and so when the kids get a gift they're always like thank you mommy oh mommy thank you and stuff like that my god and i'm always like how about a a little and and colin's like mommy (laughs) bought it and i'm like (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) and i'm like did you turn on a light switch today because how about a thank you every time you do that? Because I'm the one that pays the electric bill. And, of course, that's Jesus. not interesting to a kid. But, yeah, I mean, no. that's, the, that's the way we kind of. Mommy you know, we, bought it. Oh, yeah, we, my God. We split up a lot of stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah, but, I mean, we're both. Yeah, it's it's the same. <laughs> yeah. And I'm never going to win the argument no. that she's the gift giver. And I'm, you know, I'm like, did you, how's the water taste today when you turned on the faucet? That, that come out okay? Because you're welcome. Back over at Bobo, Larry uh, asks if they can get partitions at the urinals, which I'm on his side 100%. A fancy restaurant yeah. should not have a trough like a damn baseball stadium, which is essentially what you're doing when you have urinals that don't have a partition in between them. Nice restaurants should have partitions at the urinals. And everyone else is like, uh, is that really important? <laughs> oh, God. Like, how, how is this not a thing that... That anyone thought of? How was this not a thing that the restaurant that was there beforehand didn't have already? I'm yeah, assuming exactly. there was a restaurant there before, right? It's just yeah. a, they're just re, re like not even gutting, you know, just retrofitting their restaurant into an existing restaurant, right? Yeah, unless they did remodel the bathrooms, maybe they wanted them to have a completely new look and just just took that area and and put new toilets in or whatever. I'll yeah. I'll say I'll take it a step further and say. You should have stalls that go all the way to the ground. You should have oh, urinal partitions, and you should have stalls damn. that go all the way to the ground if you're in a nice restaurant. I, I tell you what, you have got to get to a Bucky's, yeah, and uh, and go to the bathrooms in Bucky's. Yeah, it's uh, your the stalls are essentially like solo rooms. Like you have a door. Like that closes yeah. like all the way except for like a few inches on the floor. Mm-hmm. There's like floor to ceiling walls, yeah, and it's just you and a toilet. That's per- and that's not even a five star restaurant. Like we're talking yeah, about. No, a- this is a gas station, <laughs> a rest stop. Yeah, and let let me tell you about the urinals. They have tiled dividers, floor to ceiling. Wow, like a wall almost. Yes, like it a wall. Like, let me tell yeah. you. Let me tell. Let me tell you about this last night. I walk in. I walk to a urinal. I walk to the second one in, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I don't walk to the first one, walk to the second one in. And I, I know I'm the only one in those first couple of urinals because I, I just walked in. Mm-hmm. I get done doing my business. I walk out and there is a guy right next to me. Uh, a, 
No, A, uh, normally would be breaking bathroom etiquette. You don't use the, the urinal right next to another person, especially when there's 30 of them. Yeah. But he didn't even know that there was a guy right next to him because those <laughs> dividers are so deep. That's amazing. Now that is, that's classic. That, that's, that's the level of privacy you've got for peeing at Bucky's. And if I'm eating at a, a, a L.A. restaurant that's very nice, I better have that. You know, like Larry said, I don't want to go in at a 45 degree angle, you know, <laughs> give me some privacy no matter what I'm doing in there. And uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with him. The partitions are important. Uh, Jeff comes in with Oscar, but they tell him they can't get him. We're open in three days and we can't get the partition. Sorry. Uh, Jeff comes in with Oscar, who drags Jeff to the sort of the hallway from the kitchen to the dining room and starts indicating basically starts trying to dig and they're like wow that this this is a cop's corpse <laughs> cops a corpse sniffing dog and so they call the cops evidently and they show up including kate flannery did you pick her oh out my god no i didn't even <laughs> catch this the second by my count office alum that has appeared well she wasn't an office alum at this point it was still no. a few years off but yeah we had <laughs> we had oscar uh on um, Oscar Nunez, he played a parking lot attendant in a season one episode, I want to say. And now Kate Flannery played the police officer who doesn't say much. I think she might have interjected a little bit, but she did not, did not, I don't know if she actually had a line in this episode, but she's standing there. Uh, she could have just and, been an extra. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But the cops are like, there has to be an investigation. We have to tear up the floor. And Jeff and Larry are worried about the restaurant's future, whether they should, you know, divest from the restaurant. And but Larry does give Jeff some good news. The Broadies would take Oscar. And Jeff is like, that sounds great, except I'd have to convince my daughter who loves this dog. And Oscar comes running out of the restaurant. And Larry, again, I like when he's like, oh, Oski, Oski boy. I like his his puppy dog voice. <laughs> it's great. But this line also was a hilarious tag to the scene. It's nice. To, it, Jeff's like, you love that dog. He's like, it's nice to be affectionate to something German. You don't get the, you don't get the opportunity very much. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was hilarious. That was just that was like almost too sitcom-y when you end a joke, when you end a scene on a joke like that. I thought it was yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so over at Jeff's, Jeff is talking to Sammy, his daughter, and he's like, look, I can't be here if the dog is here. So do you want daddy or the dog? And Sammy doesn't have to think about it very much. She wants Oscar. <laughs> She's like, I want the dog. And Jeff reiterates, Daddy won't be here. And Sammy's like, I know. I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Jesus Christ. She knows what she's saying. She knows yeah. what she's doing. Yeah, I know she's the situation. To to totally aware. You know, she's seven, not three. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine without you. Um. Oh, back over at Bobo, the floor has been just completely dug up. Uh, they're all the way down into the ground of the floor, uh, the ground of Bobo, and Oscar finds what he was sniffing, and it's an old bra that he. I thought this was a, a breach of protocol. Oscar immediately brings it over to Larry, who touches it like this could be evidence of a. No one's saying this wasn't on a corpse at some point. Why is an old bra? It, I think it could still be part of an active investigation. Why don't we yeah. test it for DNA? Oh, Larry already put his DNA all over it. Great. Uh, awesome corrupting the evidence. Um, yeah. yeah the and, and without, like, continuing to, to dig or anything, both, uh, yes. both police officers are just like, yeah, there's nothing else down there. Yeah. Like, ground shifts over time. Especially, yeah. I don't know what the L.A. <laughs> water table is like, but you're down there pretty far. And, yeah, the cops are like, no, we're good. Like, really we good. Go, there's nothing else down there. We just found an article of clothing buried under a restaurant. Like, we don't want to just test it or something. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like there was a, uh, there's a cold case that is going to remain cold forever now that these <laughs> cops are like, hey, we're good. Put it back. But it's going to take three weeks to fix the damage that the investigation caused. Uh, three weeks to a month, says the contractor that's there. Uh, but Larry sees the bright side. He's like, hey, can we get the splash guards now? And the guy's like, yeah, <laughs> definitely. So he's like, hey, hidden blessing or whatever he says. Blessing in disguise, this whole thing. Now we can get the splash guards. 
Uh, Jeff runs up to Larry uh, outside of Bobo again, incensed about the dog being back, and he is back at the W Hotel. So Oscar is still there, and now that Jeff knows that it's him or the dog, and it's him, then he's he's moved out again. Larry says, let me take care of it, and he walks off. So over at Jeff's, Larry shows up to talk to Sammy, and Susie's not there. She's next door, but that's okay. Larry wants to talk to Sammy, and she's drinking some grape juice, but Larry pours himself some wine to see if he could can taste what's a good bottle and what's not, as well as the broadies can. Uh, and he tries to sell Sammy on another pet, uh, like, you know, a turtle or I forget the other. I, I do remember he suggests a hamster you can torture. That's yeah, they're not boring tries. if you torture them, he <laughs> <Yeah>. says. <laughs> Which is psychopath behavior. And Larry picks up the dog whistle that he saw Jeff use earlier which he was pretty amazed by, the fact that Jeff blew this whistle and Oscar came right out. But Sammy's like, don't blow it right now. He's sleeping. And when Larry's back is turned, investigating the whistle and unscrewing and stuff like that, she downs Larry's glass of wine and then drunkenly agrees to give up Oscar when some time passes and Larry continues to give her what he thinks is a little bit of a hard sell. And to Larry, it works. And so he takes Oscar immediately and calls Jeff and says, go home. I got the dog. Oscar's not there anymore. <laughs> and by the way, I'm going to suggest it right now. Cover art has to be Larry and Oscar driving in the car. It was just such a funny shot to me. <laughs> I love okay. it. Oscar in the passenger right. seat and Larry we'll driving. It. <laughs> it looked like a great buddy comedy. So Larry shows up to the Brody's house with Oscar. And Susan's there. And she begins by asking if Larry has anything to say to her about dinner. And... What she wants is a thank you. She wants Larry oh to realize that, you know, you should also thank me for the dinner. And she won't take the dog until she gets a thank you. She knows that this dog is, is perfect, but she won't take the dog until there's a thank you. And Larry, you know, continues. He digs in and says, you haven't worked a day in your life. You've never held a job. Meanwhile, two not grown kids like adult, but they're, you know, at least tweens run around the corner. And so... She has raised two kids. I think this is where yeah. I, you know, I, I think I was already, I think we're not supposed to be on Larry's side. I think just like you were hypothesizing last week, Larry's quote unquote question leads everybody to think Larry's an asshole. And so I think that's the way you're supposed to feel about this. But when two kids, I'm like, the money you can save by, especially in LA, I bet, but anywhere you live, the money you can save by not sending kids to daycare or paying for childcare for kids that need it is equal to a full salary that's why we are two working parents like it just it takes a lot not just of money so that's a full salary right there the money you're saving by taking care of kids at home but also anybody with two brain cells knows that being a, a stay-at-home mom is a full-time job like mm, but absolutely. it's not one that it's absolutely. not one that larry respects you know no not at all <laughs> like being a a part-time stay-at-home parent is like oh my god like <laughs> a full-time job so being a, a full-time stay-at-home mom yeah that's it's just crazy that larry is is not down with that line of thinking but larry won't give a thank you but the kids love oscar when they see him and larry immediately just blows blows up susan's like oh yeah i want to give him to your mom but she doesn't want him and they're like what mom come on <laughs> <laughs> and so under this pressure susan is forced to relent and as the kids run away to go play with oscar what a great tag what do you say? Thank you. <laughs> he, there he gets a huge thank <laughs> you from the so kids. That was so good. That was oh my so perfect. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, back at home, as Larry pulls up at his house, Susie is waiting in the driveway, and they give this great, like, old Western uh, I, standoff this, uh, the, music. The good, the bad, and the ugly theme. It's, it's a sound alike because it's not exactly like, wah, 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 but it's definitely supposed to sound like that. Because it's got like the little rattlesnake shakes, <laughs> you know, like trumpets and, and fanfare. And it's, it's hilarious. And, and Larry is genuinely afraid. It's hilarious. But Susie accuses Larry of getting Sammy drunk so he could steal the dog. And Larry didn't know what was going on. He thought she had a speech impediment. <laughs> this is hilarious. Because Susie's <laughs> like, you've known her since birth. Why did you think she had a speech impediment? He's like, 
that's what was so puzzling about it. <laughs> Good opportunity for, and I think you should leave reference. Just, uh, that's yeah. why I'm so fucking confused. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's what was so puzzling about it. You know, Susie is just laying into him as she has done a couple times in the path, past, but this is just going to become a thing that she does with Larry. Uh, and she is laying into him, calling him a sicko, fucko, asshole, and everything under the <laughs> uh, in the book, and says, get me the fucking dog. Because Sammy is in hysterics since she sobered up and I guess realized the dog is gone. And so Larry backs into his car and, uh, and gets in and, and leaves. To go back to the broadies, and as Susan opens the door, Larry starts with a very heartfelt thank you and apology. I was wrong. <laughs> I don't know how I could have thought any other way. <laughs> but then he breaks the news about the dog. So sees, Susan sees right through his confession and thank you and apology and realizes how fake it was. And she won't give up the dog, even though she's only had him for like an hour or something like that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're super attached to him after that yeah. hour. Yeah. And Larry takes back the thank you. And as he's being sent away by Susan, he finds the dog whistle in his pocket. I guess he kept it from, he uh, grabbed it from Jeff's house when he was talking to Sammy. Uh, and he blows the whistle. Oscar comes running out the door. And Larry yells, thank you to <laughs> Susan. Uh, and heads over to Jeff's. And... Jeff is coming back home as Larry pulls up with the dog. And we get this great bird's eye view, no dialogue shot of Jeff and Larry in the little courtyard there in the driveway. Sort of like, because Jeff was about to go in to the house and Larry has the dog and you see Jeff kind of, you know, you see him talking to each other. Jeff goes over to the door and picks up a suitcase and throws it in his car and then gets in the car. And Frolic is playing over a lot of this whole scene. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we're, did you yeah. did you like this? Did you like this ending scene? I thought it was so weird. It was weird, but I'll compare it to an ending that we hated. Um, the the nanny or the nanny from hell, depending on which titling you're going mm -hmm. by, where Susie landed on the the sponge cakes and then the she was like, and I landed on 12 sponge cakes. And then the credits started rolling. And I thought this was a great use of, like, we didn't need the dialogue. We know what Larry was saying. Like, it wasn't going to be funny or give us any more information than we already had. And so I liked yeah. the silent, you know, it was like a silent movie. You know, Jeff, talk, you know, they're talking for a little bit. Jeff going over to the door and picking up his bag and, and throwing it in. Like, body language told the whole story. Um yeah. See, yeah. and I know we've uh, we've torn apart episodes that have done this in the past um, because it's not giving us an ending where Larry faces any consequences for his actions. But mm -hmm. I, I think ending it after the last scene, ending it after he steals the dog, thank you, yeah. boom, 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 would have been yeah. much better. And then a I, couple I, seconds I didn't of Larry see the... and Oscar walking. Yeah I, yeah. yeah, I didn't see the need for this final scene at all because i mean we know larry's taking the dog back to jeff and Susie's. i mean yeah. we, we we know that i don't know that uh jeff is currently out of the house so yeah. the, the final scene really doesn't accomplish anything in my mind you're right sometimes you're right we do uh, i think i'll especially go i wish i mean we know what happens but i wish we would have had one more scene just to drive it home I think I talked about that in Seinfeld, too. I was like, sometimes Seinfeld ended a little too early. And I'm like, I wish we would have gotten a little bit of closure on this. Uh, and that's yeah. what this ending gives us. But you're right. I think ending on it wasn't funnier than thank you. And so ending on that big laugh, I think, probably would have been yeah. going out on a high note. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, you, I think I would I think me. I would have appreciated it a, a little more than I did. Yeah. Sometimes when we get what we think we want, it, it's not actually what we need. You know, <laughs> that, it's a lesson for me, especially, I think, in this case. So yeah. uh, you're so philosophical. You got that <laughs> philosophical question about you, Tim. Yeah, All right. Exactly. What do we got for homework this week? I didn't write anything down. I mean, okay. I, I can't think of, you know, if I do any extra credit, I might look up Kate Flannery and the guy who plays Phil Dunlap. Maybe I'll write that down. But yeah, we didn't really have anything. Because I'm always curious when actors who went on to bigger and better things appear in 
in little roles like this. So, um, yeah, maybe that, but nothing, nothing that we wrote down in the moment. All right, cool. Uh, I mean, we've already got cover art situated, I think. Yeah. Um, with uh, Larry and Oscar just riding in his car. Uh, let's see what we can do about this week's description. Okay. So we had, at dinner with the Broadies, Larry ponders a ridiculous question with predictable results. Ugh, it's really bad. But So the question is, does a non-working spouse deserve a thank you for... A purchase, a gift, I guess, for giving a gift, for a gift that is given. That's the question. But it's never said that way. The situation no. comes up, and that's so Larry doesn't ask the question. Larry, you know, I don't want to use this, but if whoever writes the caption today, HBO wanted to, Larry posits the theory that oh, a non working spouse. Doesn't deserve a thank you for a gift given with predictable results. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe, you know, Larry believes blah, blah, blah. So he doesn't ask it. That's, it's just a really poorly, it's a really bad way to to say what happens in the episode. Yeah. So what do we want to say? Because um, we got the dog. I feel like the dog should come into it. Um, Jeff's dog. What do we take? Well, maybe we take that out of it. The, but in trying to get Jeff back in the house, Larry takes Susie's dog. Larry takes the dog and uses it as a peacemaking gift. Yeah, I mean, that indicates that there's some there's conflict. So, there's there's going to mm-hmm. be some conflict. But doesn't give it away. I mean, you could you could just say... Something like Larry Larry won't Larry won't thank a friend and Jeff's dog <laughs> um Jeff is allergic to, to his dog. Yeah, I mean we kind of already know that. Well what about Jeff is in a you know, not a uh, Jeff's in a battle with his dog or something like that. You know, Jeff is in a Jeff's family must choose between him and the dog is a little wordy, but Larry won't thank a friend. And I don't mind that though. Je- Larry won't thank a friend, and Jeff is in a battle between. Is you in a like, battle with his. Uh, what? How I mean, did you say it? Jeff. Uh, yeah, Jeff's in a a battle with his dog. Or yeah, I mean that's not so bad now that I've said it again. Um, but this is very, uh, you know, the gang hilarity ensues but Mm -hmm. you know something like larry won't thank a friend and jeff's dog complicates his life or something you know (laughs) is that too hilarity ensues predictable results (laughs) i i I think that might be a little uh with predictable results yeah um jeff's dog because jeff's dog a won't let Jeff back in the house, and Jeff's dog B delays the restaurant opening, which I think is a big plot point. Yeah, yeah. Jeff's dog won't let him in his house or his restaurant. <laughs> um, Jeff's so Larry won't thank a friend, and Jeff's dog delays the restaurant opening. Yeah, delays the restaurant opening. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Larry I mean, I wish a friend and Jeff's dog delays the restaurant opening. But I wish we could include something about <laughs> Jeff. Oh <laughs> but I wish we could include something about Jeff needing to get rid of the dog. How about okay? All right, Jeff's unwanted that, that's dog. Con- that's that's the conflict resolution, though. We got to get to the conflict first. What about what about this? Larry won't thank a friend, and Jeff's unwanted dog delays the restaurant opening. Okay. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> there we go. That doesn't feel sincere. I think you're just trying to finish this section of the show, but I, I'll I, take it. No, I, I do like it. I do like it. It is sincere. Okay, okay. But I am also trying to finish this. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. Because I'm, 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 I'm not happy with that either. I think we could do better, but I'm ready to move on to. <laughs> all right, well, next week, or actually, no, before we get to that, Tim, did you like this episode? I did. I think I wanted to star it while I was watching it. I'm I'm tempted to give it a star low, but I'm gonna 
<laughs> what's below Starlow? Do I have anything <laughs> in my pocket? Um, because I got a lot of good laughs out of it, uh, which I which is always a big part of whether I give something a star or not. I, I did enjoy it. It might have been just you, an, you an above always, that. You, yeah. You could always give it a star low low. That way it's the <laughs> lowest of your star lows. Maybe I better do that. And I better come. Yeah. Maybe I better give it a star low low. Um, <laughs> and I've spelled it L O L O. Okay. Star low low. In uh, um, Bobo fashion. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I feel, uh, my bottom line is I feel like it was an above average episode. Okay. What about you? Uh, I'm in the exact same boat as you. Uh, yeah. I, I was thinking it's better than a lot that we've seen in season three. Um, I gave it a star low as well. And oh. I am thinking I have only given one other star low this season, that being episode one, Chet's shirt. Mm-hmm. And I like Chet's shirt better than this. Ah, okay. So th- th- this is, uh, you know, number three on on the season so far for me. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, full, we, yeah. we yeah we we have three more episodes left in the season. If we get one more that I even remotely like, this is getting bumped down. Yeah, I have two full stars, and now I have a star low and a star low low. <laughs> so <laughs> did I like this more than the terrorist attack? I don't know. They might be. They might be tied. So I've got I hope I get a full I hope I hope I don't need my star lows and I just get two more full stars at least. That'd be but, great. Or, or be actually great. I only need I only need one more full star. So yeah, that that's that's best case scenario. At, th- at this point it's just kind of uh for both of us anyway, is it better than uh what we think is our third place episode? Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. All right, well next week we have got season 3 episode 8 crazy eyes killer uh original air dates november 3rd 2002 and if you are looking in tv guide that night you are gonna see larry is accused of betraying the confidence of wanda's rapper boyfriend okay i do remember i know this character i know i i I think it's pretty funny i remember this episode it it seemed like a this character was introduced much later in the series though to me but yeah, so that's it's just weird um i thought this was a later well I mean, it is season three so maybe that was late enough but yeah in my mind i'm like wow i had no idea crazy eyes shows up this early but yeah i think it's going to be uh, a good one we'll see if it gets that fabled full star that we're talking about but uh, all right is that it yeah i think that is it all right for no hugging no learning i'm tim murphy i'm ted hollowell be good be good